Hey, and welcome to the Pathway Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here to join us. We hope that this podcast inspires you to live life both for God and your city. Make sure to subscribe to stay up to date with all of our most recent episodes. And remember to leave us a five-star rating. Enjoy the message. Today, I'm talking to you about unity. Say that with me, unity. So with that being said, I want you to bow your heads with me. And we would ask, God, let your word come alive in our hearts right now that we would be changed in every facet of our life as we come into alignment, as we come into harmony, and as we come into unity with your word, with your son, with your Holy Spirit. Do your strong work in us today and we'll honor you for it in Jesus' name. Now the third exclamation point on the sentence, one more time, go ahead and bless the Lord. Psalm 133, Psalm 133. Before I read this, I want you to understand that there is a commanded blessing on unity. God commands it, he commands it. Psalm 133, one, the Bible says, be, uh, says, uh, how, how wonderful and pleasant it is when brothers live together in harmony or in unity. For harmony is as precious as the anointing oil that was poured over Aaron's head that ran down his beard and onto the border of his robe. Harmony or unity is as refreshing as the dew from Mount Hermon that falls on the mountains of Zion. Now I just want to give you a picture, like that was, a, that was an analogy, this is, this is a, an illustration to, to describe how beautiful unity is, the effects of unity. Mount Hermon is, has snow on the mountaintop 365 days a year, doesn't matter how hot it gets. And even in the heat of the summer, Mount Hermon is flourishing, it's green, and it's beautiful. The reason is because as the sun bakes that mountaintop, that snow, it evaporates, and then it falls like dew on all of Mount Hermon. This is what unity does. Unity causes God's people to flourish. And now listen to verse 3, the rest of verse 3. And there the Lord has pronounced his blessing, even life everlasting. Now, it's not on Mount Hermon that God has pronounced the blessing. It's on unity. It's where God pronounces the blessing. And so we're looking at unity um, today. That there is a commanded blessing on unity. I want you to have that as a foundation for the rest of this message. Just stand on this idea and then we're going to go ahead and jump on over to Genesis chapter Genesis chapter 9. And while you're getting to Genesis 9, I'm going to talk a little bit about Genesis uh, period. In Genesis chapter 1, God creates man and then creates the woman out of the rib, the side of the man. And then he gives them instruction. And the instruction is, is that they should be fruitful and they should multiply. They should subdue the earth. They should have dominion over the earth. He tells them that. And to the point that Adam is told to name the animals. He's told to work. He's told to bring it into order. Now, you know that's inside of each one of us. 
That heart is inside of each one of us. How many of you love good landscaping at your house? I love it. I mean, I love it. For me and my landscaping, Sheldon fam, I like to see my trees like soldiers in a row. You know what I'm saying? Like, it'll bother me if I look at a row of trees and one is out. I'm just a little bit bothered. You might call that OCD. I call it normal. I think the rest of y'all got problems. <laughs> Vacuum, vacuuming the floor. Vacuuming the floor. You vacuum the floor and you vacuum the floor and you vacuum the floor. It's clean, right? You want it clean? It's not only that you want it clean because the truth is some of y'all get upset when you walk in and there's a footprint in the living room. Okay, so my freshman year in college, I go to Michigan with one of my roommates for like a fall break and we go and spend time with his mom and dad, who they, they live there in Detroit, which by the way, I've never seen potholes as big as what are in Detroit. Don't even hit a pothole, your car disappears about three seconds, it comes up on the other side. <laughs> but my buddy Matt Robinette, his mother is from England, and she would say, would you like a spot of tea? You know, this is kind of the British, and, and man, she was like, perfect with everything she did. And I saw that there's this nice little, you know how you have a living room and then you have another living room? Well, I went in this other one and I looked back, I could see my footprints. I didn't track in mud, but I stepped on the vacuumed carpet so that my feet were depressed. And then I went out and I go up to Matt's room. He's showing me around some of his baseball trophies. When I come back down, my footprints were gone. Because Matt's British mama went in there and re-raked, re-vacuumed the carpet. Why do we do stuff like that? Because God placed it in each one of us to take dominion over the earth. Now, here's the deal. Man has never invented anything. Man has never created anything. Man has invented things. Man has put together the resources that God made and, and made them do things. You know, cultivated. Now, I don't know what kind of dogs there were. We have a Welsh Terrier. I think when God created the dogs, he didn't start out with Welsh Terriers. But mankind has started things like the AKC, um, what's this show, this dog show? Yes, Westminster Dog Show. And then you come out with Springer Spaniels and Britney Spaniels. And have you seen this hairless dog that looks like a, no offense if anybody has them, but you know what we've done over time is we've subdued the earth, we've taken dominion, and we've bred animals for different traits to make them hunting dogs, to make them have long legs or short legs. You have these little pugs and all that. You know no pug is ever gonna survive in the wild. That didn't happen in the wild. <laughs> Pastor, I don't know how I feel about science. I don't like science. Well, science is just man subduing the earth, taking what God created and putting it into formulas that God created. Those are his laws. Gravity was God's law. That's all that's happening. That's taking dominion over the earth. God called us to do that. So when you're building your business, when you're building your family, when you're building your life, one of the best things you can do is throw yourself at your life. Whatever giftings and skills you have, do it as unto the Lord and let's see what God will do with that. The 
problem is from Genesis 1 until Genesis 8, we see that mankind began drifting from that directive that God gave. God gave it to family. Family, the very first institution that God created before he had created the church, before he created government, he instituted, ordained the institution of marriage. And he's spoken to that marriage to go and take dominion, to fill, to multiply, to scatter over the earth and continue to do what God called them to do. But come Genesis 8, God says, man, you guys have gotten so far from what I called you to do and what I called you to be. And then we have the flood and we have, um, we have Noah coming out of all that with animals and with his children and their, and their spouses. And of course they emerge from that in Genesis chapter 8. Genesis chapter 9, God says, okay, Okay, so let's go back to the beginning. Listen to this, Genesis 9, verse one. Then God blessed Noah and his sons and told them, be fruitful, multiply, and fill, fill the earth. That's what he says, fill the earth. So scatter, populate, Disperse. Now, I know that because you get on over into Genesis 11 and you're going to see this unpack even more. Of course, we know that God sent them out of Eden, sent them. So he sent, so they're heading in this, in this uh, direction. You go from Genesis 9 where it describes this, go over into Genesis 10 and you see the genealogy of all of the families that took the Noahic covenant and this directive, which by the way, this directive was given before the Abrahamic covenant. It was given before the, the 10 commandments were given. It was the very first thing. So it just only makes sense. After he disciplines the earth, he comes back and says, we're going back to square one. These are the people that did it. That did it. And Genesis chapter 10. And then Genesis chapter 11, we find ourselves coming right back to where the earth was coming into Genesis 8 when God sent the flood. And I want you, I want you to hear this. I want you to hear this story. Genesis chapter 11, verse 1. At one time, all the people of the world spoke the same language and used the same words so what is the concept that you're hearing in this first verse? Is this not the same concept that was in Psalm 133? Unity, unity. At one time, all the people in the world spoke the same language and used the same words. As the people migrated to the east, they found a plain in the land of Babylonia and scattered there. Where were they moving from? They were moving from the place where the ark rested and they're, they're moving east because that's what God called them to do, to fill the earth, to multiply. They find themselves in Babylonia. They began saying to each other, let's make bricks and harden them with fire. In this region, bricks were used instead of stone and tar was used for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build a great city for ourselves, not for God, but for ourselves with a tower that reaches into the sky. This will make us famous and keep us from being scattered all over the earth all over the world. So yeah, we know that God has a plan and he said to fill, to multiply, to be scattered, to disperse, to go out, to populate the earth, which by the way, that's another thing about Pastor Chuck. They took that very seriously. Pastor Chuck and Candace have like a hundred kids and they have to drive a school bus. Of course, the kids are all, they're out and they're in college and that sort of thing. But man, they, they took this very seriously. 
<laughs> Some of y'all have too. <laughs> How's your 401k? I don't know. My kids are my retirement plan. I got like 50 of them, you know. <laughs> he said, this will make us famous and keep us from being scattered all over the earth. Let me tell you that this verse right here is high treason against their creator, God. Let me tell you, when God gives a directive and we think that we know that we are God, that we know better, that we're actually saying, I'm God and he is not. Let me tell you, the Bible is not a buffet that we can pick and choose from. It's to be taken the whole counsel of God's scriptures. If you can carve out passages in the Bible that are inconvenient to you that you don't like and take them as a suggestion, it's not God, it's not the Bible believe in, but yourself that you believe in. These people had become gods unto themselves. Verse five, but the Lord came down to look at the city and the tower the people were building. Look, he said, let me tell you, when God came down, he didn't come down on a field trip to see what they were doing. Let me tell you, God knows everything. He sees everything. It was more like this, June. Don't make me come down there. That, that's what this was. God came up. Hey, man, you guys get the office. Good. They're coming in from downtown tomorrow. This is what God was doing. He's saying, you know what? I'm going to have to get up off of my seat and go down to my footstool, earth, where I have to talk to these jokers. So the Lord came down and looked at the city. He said, look, the people are united. Say united. united. The people are, the people are united. And they all speak the same language. After this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. Now, this is really interesting. How many of you know God is a man and he does not lie? You know that, right? And when he has a covenant, he doesn't break his covenant. We may break a covenant with God. God never breaks a covenant with us. He is true. He is actually, his name is faithful and true. So God is going to bless unity. Pastor, that, that's, not, that's not fair. Look, it just is the way it is. These are principles that you can take to the bank whether you're following Jesus or not. So if you will be in unity with your spouse, then you, God commands a blessing on it whether you love Jesus or not. Pastor, I know some of the most wicked people that have some of the best marriages. Why is that? Because they're in unity. I know some of the most wicked people that have really great businesses. Why is that? Because, well, one of the reasons may be because they're in unity. That may be the case. I know some football teams that just can't stop winning national championships. Why is that? Well, because of Nick Saban. But for everybody else, it's unity. <laughs> it's unity. Unity. Well, one of the reasons they're in unity is because of Nick Saban. Did you know that there is not a single player that has ever been recruited by Nick Saban that doesn't have a national championship ring? Why would God bless that? Because there is unity around an idea that works. That's just how it is. Let me give you another principle in the scriptures. The Lord refreshes those that, re, or those that refresh others will themselves be refreshed. That's why you hardly ever see a generous person walking around like Eeyore. You hardly ever see a generous person walking around looking like they've been sucking on a whole bowl full of prunes, lemons, whatever. You, you don't see that. Why is that? Because it's a law. Generous people receive generosity and blessing from others. It's just, that's just the law. 
These are business rules, if-then propositions. The Bible uh, is filled with this sort of thing. For instance, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, seek my face, and pray, repent, turn from their wicked ways, then I will heal from heaven, I will forgive their sins, I will heal their land. It's a promise. This is the difference between our God and other people's gods, little g gods. Because we don't have to go to heaven and wonder if God is in a good mood. We know that if we place our trust in Jesus, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if we, if we repented and we're following Jesus and we breathe our last breath, then we can walk boldly into the throne room of God and hear, well done, good and faithful servant. It's just the way it is. That's how God is. So because that's the case, God couldn't go down and say, let me take away their blessing. No, God was, he had commanded himself already to bless these people. But what he did do is this. Verse seven, come, let's go down and confuse the people with different languages then they won't be able to understand each other. Then they won't be able to be in unity with one another. Now, just a quick aside, because I'd like to drop this in there just for the sake of our biblical understanding. When God says, come, let's go down there. Come, let's go confound there. Who is he talking about? Let's. How many of you recognize that in school, that that is a plural, let us, that's a plural pronoun. That's what that's called. But I thought we serve in the one true God. We do. This is the Trinity. This is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit present at Babel. Just like the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit was present at creation. In Genesis 1.26 when he said, let us make man in our image. Who is that? That's the Father. Well, this, not the Son yet. It's the Word. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. He does, he's not referred to as the Son until John chapter 1, verse 1. When the scripture tells us in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with with God and the word was God. Verse 14 says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Who is that? That's Jesus who comes to take away all the sin of the world. So God, the word, God, the Holy Spirit, God, the father, they say, come, let's go down and confuse the people with different languages and they won't be able to understand each other in that way. The Lord scattered them over all the world and they stopped building the city. Let me just tell you, they wanted to stop and build a city for themselves, a name for themselves. They wanted to stay in one place and not do what God said, he, said for them to do. Let me tell you, God is more hard-headed than you and I are. God is more focused than you and I are. God has more endurance. God's lifespan is longer than ours. Is. He, he's going to get his way. Here's what I would say. The Bible tells us that every knee and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Why don't we just skip right to the end instead of waiting until then and bowing or waiting until God tears down our building and then we bow. Instead, why don't we just come boldly before his throne room of grace right now and bow and confess Jesus and allow him to be Lord of every single area of our life now that we would come into unity with him. Now, why is unity so important in this message today, Pastor? Is it, are you trying to get the church dialed in? Well, yeah, look, the church is more unified right now than I've ever seen it in my time at Pathway Church. In fact, there are things that are happening right now that are moving so fast, it will make your 
head spin, the goodness of God. And they're up in the balcony over at airport campus. I just want to tell you right now, there's some amazing things coming just right around that corner. We're just right around the corner. It's, it's very close. It's very close. Say that with me. Very close. Very close. It's very soon. It's soon and very soon. I cannot wait. I almost just want to let the cat out of the bag right now. Do you want me to? Would you like me to tell you? Would you like me to tell you? Well, I'm not going to tell you for that right there. That's, would you like me to tell you? No, yeah. oh, you're going to have to wait. You're going to have to wait just a little bit longer. But I be praying, get ready, put your helmet on, put your shoulder pads on. We're going to hit the hole running fast, okay? It's going to be awesome. Pastor, you're, so you're not talking unity because you want the church to get together. The church is coming together, but we are in the world and we need to be in unity with the Father, in, the, in unity with Jesus, in unity with the Holy Spirit, in unity with one another. Because this world and the ruler of this world, the, the evil one, Satan, Lucifer, would like to distract us and move us offline and out of alignment with the Lord out of line, alignment with scripture. So here's what I want you to understand is that unity for the sake of unity is no goal of biblical Christianity. Say that with me. Unity for the sake of unity is no goal for biblical Christianity. And everybody's talking about unity right now. In fact, you may have heard somebody say, well, we need to be on the right side of history. Well, what does that even mean? You're asking me to step off of my convictions and move over to your way of thinking just because you think you're going to win and I want to be on the winning side. And I know that there are people that will give up their convictions really quick so that you can be in the popular crowd. Listen, I don't want your popular crowd. I want Jesus. That's what I want. That's what I want. That's what we want. And the enemy will leverage your sense of biblical Christian compassion to get you to adopt ideologies that violate the scriptures. They sound really good and they make a lot of sense. They're very shrewd, but they violate the scriptures. I just want to encourage you today to be in unity with the things of God, but then to understand that there's some things, some people, some ideas that you don't need to be in unity with. I want you to run with me over to Ephesians chapter four, and uh, we're going to look at verses two and verse three, and I need to give you a response for thoughts and ideas, how to deal with thoughts and ideas, ideologies that are extra biblical ideologies. Some of them sound Christian, some of them aren't Christians, they just seem good, some of them are just regular old ideas. And I have no problem with you having extra biblical ideas or ideologies, all of you do, everybody in here do. Pastor, I just think that we need to go back to how they did church in the first century, in the New Testament church. Okay, give me your chair. That's a nice chair, but give me your chair. And um, Andrew, go turn off this air conditioning because they definitely did not have this air conditioning. And 
Well, you know what? The first century church didn't have a building. The first building didn't come for a hundred years. After, that's when the archaeological record first shows the buildings. Other than that, it's Paul going to the Areopagus, going to Mars Hill. It's uh, Paul getting thrown out of the amphitheater and the hall of Tyrannus in Ephesus and thrown into prison. He's like, hey, wait a second. I'm, I'm a Roman citizen. But he was going into these places and he was preaching the ideology of Jesus. So, sorry guys, if you want to be a New Testament church, as in only what's in the Bible, then we got to go meet outside. And meeting outside here in LA, lower Alabama, in July, is not really what I want to do. It's not really, is anybody? I don't, I take the air conditioning. So we don't have a problem with extra biblical ideologies or extra biblical LED screens or extra biblical cameras or extra biblical apps. No, I'm gonna, I will not read the Bible off of an app. I'm gonna read it out of the King James just like the disciples did. Okay, there we go again. I mean, at what point? You know what I'm saying? There are plenty of ideas that we can have that are innovative that don't violate the scriptures and we should have a response to that. So here's the response. Make room for ideologies that do not oppose God and be united in the spirit and the word of God. Pastor, that's a good idea, but where do you get the backing? Paul says it like this. Ephesians 4 and verse 2. Always be humble and gentle, be patient with one another, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. What, what are faults? Well, if you're married, you know what a fault is. If, if you're in a partnership, you know what a fault is. If you're in the first grade and you have a friend that's betrayed you out on the playground, you know what a fault is. It's not necessarily sin. Kelly and I have opposite personalities. And, and I didn't have sisters on top of that. I had no sisters and I've got two beautiful world-changing, strong, beautiful, godly daughters. I don't understand y'all to save my life. <laughs> I'm gonna make allowances for their differences from my, you know what, there are people in this room that are different from one another. There's not anybody in the first row or the second row that's alike one another. In fact, I would say this, if there's two people at Pathway Church that are the same, somebody is unnecessary. We're just different. We're different, let me tell you. We'll make room. We'll make room for every single college football team. It's okay. You can be a, you can be a LSU. You, you can be LSU. It's fine. You can be Mississippi State. You can't be Ohio State. <laughs> you can't. We got to draw a line somewhere. <laughs> we can make allowances for one another, can't we? We're going to think differently. We're going to, we're going to be different. But listen, make sure that the ideologies that we have don't oppose God. For the things that don't oppose God, you say, that's just not my taste. Here's what I would say. If there's something that I do that you don't like, that what I do is not a sin against God, then just get over yourself. It's none of, live your own life. Get out of my business. 
Don't yuck my yummy, you know? Like, let me enjoy this. Pastor, what kind of food would you like to eat? Yes, I like all food. There is not a food. You like spicy food? Yes, I do. I like every single kind of food. I have eaten food. Uh, I have eaten the thousand-year-old egg in Cambodia. It is a terrible experience. I'll just tell you right now. Pinoy, I've had it. Terrible experience. But I ate it because I wanted to eat it so I could tell Mariah Barton that I had, I had a balut. But boy, I love food. If you don't like the food that I like, if you don't like the team that I like, who cares? Just let's make room for one another so that we could have unity together. Verse three, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit. So don't let carnal things separate you from unity in the spirit. When I say carnal, I don't mean like unspiritual. I don't mean anti-God things. I'm just saying material things. Don't let material things, material tastes, material preferences cause you to separate relationship from your brothers and sisters. So keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Okay, pastor, what do we do about these extra biblical things that are creeping into the church or into the culture, what do we do with those? Well, there is a response for that as well. Go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Here's what Paul says. He says, well, he says, we destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. So here's the response. Pull down ideologies that oppose God and then be united in the spirit and in God's word. So there are some things we tolerate. There are some things we even come to love and appreciate because there are no two people that had the same starting point in life. Some of us started rich and some of us started poor. Listen, the sneakers that I had when I was a kid, I thought they were designer sneakers. They weren't. I don't even know that you could find them anywhere. I get my shoes. I mean, the Velcro shoes, the, the, the sole was so thin you could feel every rock under your feet. My parents, they were sacrificial. They never let us know that we were poor. We didn't talk like we were poor. But you know what? Don't for a second let the fact that you started out poor cause you to look down on people that started out rich. Don't let the fact that you were born white cause you to look down on people that were born black. Don't let, don't let any shade, any color, any demographic, any age cause you to look down on one another. Appreciate one another. But those things that oppose God and oppose Christ, you pull down those ideologies. You pull down every single vain imagination that exalts itself above the name of Jesus Christ. And boy, it's just really, really interesting what the enemy has tricked us into doing. The enemy has tricked us with these ideologies that they sound good. They feel good. No, we got to get in the word and we have to understand that everything the world would try to achieve using its own methods, there's only one way to get to it, that's using God's word. Using God's word. We pull it down now. I want you to hear something really good. Go ahead and stand with me at airport and Moffat campus. Let me tell you something. 
you can instruct and you can discipline and you can correct and you can disciple a person but you can't instruct or disciple a spirit that you have to pull it down and throw it out for the last two years 2020 I felt it most 2021 I'm still playing this game every Sunday no matter what sermon I'm preaching I'm trying to stick my finger in the eye of some ideology that is duping God's people and every, this morning I got up I saw it on Facebook every day there's some article that Facebook puts over in the news section that's poking their finger at evangelicals and Christian believers doing everything they can to distract you to tear you down to cause you to self doubt let me tell you not for one second am I going to be a self-loathing evangelical. I'm not going to be embarrassed that I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. I love his word. I want to see people come to Christ. I want to see people saved and changed. Look, can I just get real for a second? I had a professor tell me this last year. Pastor from a Christian university. Pastor, we need a better retelling of the gospel. We don't need a better retelling of the gospel. We need to preach the gospel and call people to repentance and see people get saved. You can't disciple that kind of idea. You got to call it out. You got to throw it out. It doesn't have place in the church. Pastor, that's so, that's so hard. That's so hard. What do we do with this? What do we do? It is hard. I hate it. I, I love you. I want to see you thrive. And you know what? On the journey, I want you to love me too. I want Because I love you. I love you. I'm so proud of Pathway Church. I love it. Jenny, I love it when people say, that's my pastor. That's, that's, I feel like I'm seven feet tall. Like together we can do anything. That's how I feel. But can you imagine a person with faults, a person with the past, a person with failures having to stand up and preach the word of God and say things that are hard to say to people that need to hear it and say it in such a way that the Holy Spirit convicts our lives and that we would repent and be saved or that we would repent and be corrected, that we would do our first works over again. I have preached some sermons where I had to close my eyes and not look at you and just say it and to let the chips fall where they may. And I've had some people leave. I've had some people break off friendships with me out over the course of a couple decades of doing life. Some of them are my very best friends today that God has restored and God has done all kinds of beautiful things. And I just know that that's what God is just always working on. I'm so glad for that because it's not our work, it's his work. Paul expressed these same thoughts in 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Here's what he said after he had preached one of these sermons. He said, I am not sorry. Pastor, I don't like how you preached it, is what they said to Paul. And Paul said, excuse me there, little Miss Snowflake. He said, I am not sorry. No, he didn't say it like that, but kind of did. I'm not sorry that I sent that severe letter to you, though I was sorry at first, for I know it was painful to you for a little while. It hurt. Did you guys ever get this talk, son? 
as you hear the belt loops popping. Son, this is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. That's a lie from the devil right there. I just want to say that out loud. I just, I know my dad's not here to defend himself, but one day, daddy, we're going to talk about that. Paul was saying the same thing. He said, it was painful to you for a little while. Now I'm glad I sent it, not because it hurt you, but because the pain caused you to repent and change your ways. Pathway Church, love Jesus. Stop sinning. Repent and follow him. There's nothing better that you can do with your life. Pastor, don't look at me when you say that. Every single one of you, Chuck and Renee, I think y'all are the best, some of the best saints in this whole house. By the way, if you ever go in the hospital, you need a Renee Simmons because you let her loose, man, the whole hospital will be bending over backwards to take care of you. I think y'all are the most praying people. Y'all are some of the most loving people, but you look at me as if I'm speaking from the very heart of God. Don't sin. Don't do it. You follow Jesus. And Chuck, when you get, you know, when you weigh in heavy on Renee, man, you go repent to her and you talk to Jesus too. Brian, that goes for you too. Angel. Kelly, that goes for you too. <laughs> Paul said, we, I know it hurt, but it's worth it. It's all going to be worth it. It's all going to be worth it. Let me tell you, one of the ideologies is so wrong. You are perfect just as you are. God doesn't make mistakes. Let me tell you, God doesn't make mistakes, but we rebelled against God and we isolated ourselves against God and we were separated from him and God sent us out and then he sent us Jesus to reconcile us back to him. So when you say that we are perfect just the way you, we are, you aren't, you aren't building us up, you're discounting Jesus. He loves us so much that he would come and die while we were yet in sin. That's how much he loves us, but it's not good enough just for us to feel bad we have to humble ourselves before Jesus and ask him to do the work it was the kind of sorrow God wants his people to have so you were not harmed by us in any way for the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation let me tell you you are not a drunk you are not an addict you, you, you are not just a sinner saved by grace. You are a saint that was a sinner saved by grace. We're not who we used to be. We're also not who we're going to be. God is working. You are not a gay Christian. You, you are not a side B gender queer Christian. You are none of those things. We are not identified by our temptations. We are identified and transformed by Jesus Christ. By him. Pastor, that's the wrong side of culture. No, the culture is on the wrong side of Jesus. God's word never changes. It's the same. Doesn't matter what the news says. It doesn't matter what your kids say. It doesn't matter what your neighbor says. It doesn't matter what that church leader says that has his little podcast. All that matters is what Jesus says. Pathway Church, repent and be saved. God is at work. Let's come into unity with Jesus. You want God's blessing on your life? Stop trying to figure it out. Start following Jesus. You want your business to thrive? You want your marriage to thrive? Come into unity with the Holy Spirit. 
Spirit and His Word. We hope you've been blessed by this week's podcast. Make sure to subscribe to stay up to date with all of our most recent episodes and visit pathwaychurch.us slash give. We'll see you next week. Thank you.